Gator Tales with Sean Kelly is presented by UF Health. UF Health has locations throughout Florida, including Gainesville, Jacksonville, St. Augustine, Leesburg, and the Villages, and we're growing. Compassionate care and world-class outcomes. That's our game plan. Visit ufhealth.org to learn more. Gator Tales with Sean Kelly is also brought to you by Pet Paradise. For pet fanatics like you, there's only one place who goes all out for your pet the way you do. Boarding, grooming, day camp, and veterinary services all in one convenient location. Pet Paradise and New Day Veterinary Care. Finally, complete pet health care is here for Gator Nation. Hi again, everybody. I'm Sean Kelly, the voice of the Gators, and greetings from my office here inside the swamp. A campus right now is buzzing. We're just all back from the Labor Day weekend. We hope that you had a great holiday weekend, chance to be with family and friends. And here on campus, it's busy. The first home football game, of course, is this Saturday. Classes in full swing. Uh, the weather's been great, and so there's a lot of folks to and fro around campus getting to class and getting ready for the big football game, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. Volleyball remains red hot. Another win over a top-10 opponent. Mary Wise's team is off to a great start. Certainly a thrilling win uh, to get the home schedule started this past week over uh, of course, a Big Ten opponent. And then soccer continues to churn along, earning a tie over this past weekend. And then again, like we said, we've got football here this weekend as the Gators will host McNeese. Uh, last weekend, or last week, it wasn't even a weekend because the Gators played on Thursday, but last week was interesting. And obviously, thoughts and prayers still to those who are struggling uh, due to the effects of Hurricane Idalia. But kind of a, a a miss for us here in Gainesville. So we're thinking about a lot of folks who are dealing with the storm, but because Gainesville was along that track, it sure made for an interesting week for Gators football in traveling to Salt Lake City. Uh, instead of leaving for Salt Lake on Wednesday, the Gators last week left on Tuesday, had to make a stop in Dallas for a night and then finish the trip. Director of Football Operations Josh Thompson is going to talk about not only the logistics of that curveball thrown their way, but really what it's like to move an entire football team on the road. So I'm eager to visit with uh, Josh about that and that process. I love process. Um, and speaking of process, uh, I went out my door earlier and they're getting ready to paint the field here, uh, Florida Field at the Swamp. That means Jason Smith and his crew are hard at work laying down the orange and blue and the logos and uh, everything else uh, for this weekend's game. So Jason Smith, director of Sports Turf, is also part of our show today. And then our featured guest uh, on the student-athlete side is wide receiver Khalil Jackson. Number 22 uh, made his first start last week at Utah. What a story. A walk-on who earns a scholarship in the offseason. And oh, by the way, he's a legacy. Third-generation Florida football player. Willie Sr.'s grandfather was one of the first African-American players to play football here at Florida. His uncle played for the Gators. His dad, Willie, of course, or Will, uh, played for Steve Spurrier during his time here. There's a lot more to the story. So certainly we're, we're rooting for Khalil and uh, certainly will help after the offseason he put together. But it's, it's the story of his family in a lot of ways. And that's where we'll begin today. Our visit with Khalil Jackson, uh, just done this week as we're through game one and he's now settling into this new season. Well, there aren't many Gator families that have more orange and blue running through their veins than that of the Jacksons. Wide receiver Khalil Jacksons, our, our guest this week. Khalil, I'm thinking about what? 
grandfather, father, uncle. Am I missing anybody else that's worn a Gators uniform over the years? Oh, my aunt, Ashley Moore. Oh, played basketball here. Man, how did I forget that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of us to keep up with. Congratulations. You're on scholarship. You've had a great off season. That's got to be extremely gratifying to you. Oh, uh, yeah, it is. Um, you know, it's it's great to see that my, my hard work didn't go unnoticed and uh, that coach let me, you know, thrive in the system and, and be able to showcase what I what I can do. How did that make your family feel? Um, it, it definitely made them feel good. Uh, it took some of the stress off them um, and off of myself as well. I got to think you've been a Gator for life at this point. Is that correct? Oh, uh, yeah. I always had it in me. Um, you know, growing up in Gainesville, going to all the games, basketball, football, tennis, track. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely been in my blood. Did you entertain playing football anywhere else, or was it always going to be the Gators no matter what? Uh, you know, I, I had some other schools in mind uh, growing up, but deep down I always knew I, I'd end up here. Tell me about your grandfather. He's a pioneer here, okay? I mean, when we talk about Gators football history, that's a prominent name in Willie Jackson Sr. Um, what has he passed along to you about his experiences here? Uh, he, he definitely told me a couple stories about his experiences, you know, uh, being one of the first um, black African-American uh, football players here. He had to go through a lot of, you know, adversity. And basically he was just telling me, you're you going to have to go through some adversity, um, you know, in your time being here. And, and I did, and I overcame it just like he did. So, you know, he was just telling me, you know, you got to stick through it, work hard, and do what you got to do to get through, you know, whatever you want to. And then, of course, your dad, he played for Coach Spurrier, didn't he? Yeah, he played with Spurrier. Oh, my gosh. Um, I've seen your dad to practice quite a bit. And, and, you know, I think in a lot of ways he has made it a mission of his to craft you as a football player. What are what are his fingerprints on the way that you play the football game? Uh, yeah, so basically, you know, he dedicated a lot of time to, um, you know, craft me into the, the player I am today. Um since I was about four years old, running around, as uh, soon as I could pick up a ball, he, he tried to craft me into, you know, the greatest player I can be. And, um, you know, he shows up to practice still to this day and um, definitely tries to help me every step of the way. You know, some of the old-timers around here, they watch you play Khalil and they say, man, he looks just like his father when he was on the football field. Does your dad ever say anything like that, like, Hey, I see me and you. <laughs> yeah, all the time. He um sometimes he'll joke around and say say I'm not, you know, as good as him, but <laughs> deep down inside he knows that he he trained me to, you know, equip me with all the skills that he had and, and much more. What's a trick that dad passed along to you that you now use on that field? Uh let me see. It's it's a couple of them. He you know, he taught me a couple things that um you know, it's just based off of instincts. Um, him being in the pros, he learned a lot of, you know, a lot of techniques and stuff that he passed along to me. And I just go every day and, and practice and try to practice those so I can, you know, translate them to the game. Give me some traditions in your family. I mean, it's got to have a, a gator flair to it, right? Are there things that you all do as a family that circles around this place? Um, Nothing in particular that we do, but – as a lot of people might know, we, we all have a tradition. We were number 22. Is there some significance to that number? Or just, did it just happen and then 
obviously just kept going. Yeah, it was it was something that happened and then kept going. Did you have to fight to get your your hands on the twenty two when you came to the program? Um, I didn't necessarily have to fight, but uh, I came in as a quarterback, and and a lot of people didn't think that was you know a good number to have at quarterback. <laughs> so they so I started off in seventeen, but once I made a transition to receiver, I uh, I took on that number. You knew you would, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, being a being a former quarterback, how has it helped you as a receiver? Um, it helps me because I I had to read coverages and you know I I look at the defense and when I was a quarterback I um I knew what I wanted my receivers to do and how I wanted them to do it to get open. So once I I switched the receiver, I you know I already had the plan. Is there going to be a a plan to get you a a pass attempt at some point, Khalil? I mean, last week we saw a double pass from our opponent and I kept thinking, hmm, Khalil used to do this. That'd be pretty cool to see. Yeah, I think I think we'll see that in the near future. Okay, all right. We don't want to give away too many secrets, but um, it'd be a you know it'd be a waste, Khalil. To you know to are you the best throwing wide receiver in the group? Oh yeah, I definitely am. <laughs> Is it embarrassing sometimes to watch other wide receivers and running backs throw the football? <laughs> yeah, they, they mechanics don't look too good. <laughs> like it hurt to throw. I'm thinking back to about a year ago this time. I'm new around here. I meet you for the first time. Uh, you're you're with a new head coach, uh, and then just seemingly there seems like this there's this arc for you, Khalil, that's transpired over the last 12 months. What was going on with you? Where were you personally 12 months ago, and how are you different today? Um, I feel like since uh, the new staff has gotten here, they they just gave me a, a fresh slate and uh, allowed me to, you know, show what I can do. And once they saw that and they, you know, treated me a certain way and they, you know, just let me do what I was able to do. And, and I feel like that that's given me some confidence that, you know, they believe in me. So I think that's, you know, one of the most important things is when you have somebody that believes in you, then, you know, that confidence goes to another level. So I think I'm definitely in a different space right now. That different space had you as a starter in week one of this season. Did you think that was going to be the case 12 months ago, six months ago, three months ago at this point? Um, I knew it was a chance uh, based on, you know, my work ethic and, and the fact that they did give me a clean slate and allowed me to, to show what I can do. So um, that was definitely the plan to be starting. So uh, I'm glad that, that that was the case. Me too. What are you studying in school right now? Um, education sciences. Oh, is there a teaching and coaching career in your future, perhaps? Yeah, I think I think I have a coaching career. Okay. Do you, any thoughts of playing at the next level? Would you like to play in the NFL someday? Yeah, that's that's definitely the, the main goal. Um, I know everyone can't achieve that goal, but I think that you know with the right right goals in mind and the right steps to get there, I think you know I could definitely get there. No doubt. So you got to really pick where you wanted to play your college football. And that's based on your family and your family's history. Um, I can't grant you this, which, but if I could, what NFL franchise would you want to play for someday? Um, I have to say, one of the Florida teams, the Jags, the Bucks, or um, hmm, who else would I like to play for? I think the Jags or the Bucks. Yeah. Okay. Again, I can't help you with that, but. You can get yourself to the league, and we'll see how it goes from there. One last thing. You know, I can't help but think with a mom who was an athlete, an uncle who played 
college football in Florida, of course, your father and your grandfather. Um, if you could model your game, or maybe you do model your game after somebody, is it okay if I, if your answer is someone not related to you at this point? Hey, uh, um, I, I definitely try to um, take a little bit of everyone's game that I like. Um, a few players are Odell Beckham, uh, Randy Moss, Chad Johnson, uh, and I. Yeah, those are those are some of the guys I try to model out there. Because they all have different playing styles, but you know when you add them together, that's that's a a force to be reckoned with. No doubt. All right, twenty two rains again this weekend at the swamp and all throughout this season. Uh, one last question: If I see you with headphones on pregame, what's pumping through there, getting you ready? Uh, probably some FCG Heme from Broad County local. All right, a little shout out for those guys too. Khalil, man, thanks. This was a great visit. Good luck as we move through the fall. All right, thank you. Okay, this is crazy. It's Tuesday of the first home game week, and I just wandered out basically to the north end of the stadium. So the north lawn right along University Avenue. There's a huge trailer here, and one, two, three massive grills going, and I run into Chef Jace McGowan. Jace, what are we grilling for? Um, so this is for the home game. Uh, it's Tuesday. Yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done, you know. You only have one week to prepare, so you got to get as much done as possible it's early on in the week. You know, hold, make sure you're holding all the food correctly and everything's, you know, food safe. So this is all the grilling for the catering inside the stadium yes, on game sir. day? Yes, sir. It's going to be for the 6th, 7th, full gator deck, and the 5th floor, Champions Club. How much, this is chicken today, and by the way, I don't know if you can hear this on here, It's it's sounds great, it smells great. How much chicken will you all grill this week? So we're working with 50 cases right now, so that's about 2,000 pounds of chicken. 40, ca uh, 40 pounds per case, you know, knocking it out. We're gonna make sure they get to where they need to be and the people eat well. And so what else gets grilled? Chicken and then what else? Um, you know, we're gonna figure that on later on in the week, you know. Uh, some different weeks we have like beef, we could grill beef tips, uh, we're doing a lobster boil, so that's not really grilling, but you know that's a whole different part. It's a whole nother operation. You know, we do pans of mac and cheese, so that's huge. 100 pounds of mac and cheese, you know, you're doing 50 pans. Uh, it's an all-day thing. So every home game, you guys come out here on the lawn and cook all week long? Yes sir, pretty much. Over here, we're on the floor, we're up on terrace. Every, uh, for the next three weeks, we'll be here. That's amazing. I guess people should know, by the way, there are no kitchens inside the swamp. Something we'll hope to get maybe in the renovation, but but what if it rains, Chase? Um, well, you know, we, we try to look at the weather before this happens and we set everything up. And if, you know, we start to feel, or, you know, we get the little rain, we're gonna pack up shop and hopefully move uh, under the stadium, somewhere where we can, we can get out of the rain and get this food cooking. Look, barbecue's my thing. It's like my hobby and all that. I, I don't know about doing 50 cases of chicken uh, during game week. So God bless you. I appreciate you're doing the Lord's work, Jace. And I, and, uh, and I wish I could just put out a chair here and spend the rest of my day smelling this. But um, stay cool, and thanks for your hard work this week. Thank you. Have a nice day, Sean Kelly. Oh, one more thing. What will you be doing during game day? Um, so personally, I'll be supervising the Five South Kitchen. You know, we're going to make sure all the food comes out for the buffets, and then I'm going to make sure that everything's flowing smoothly on that end of the floor. Thanks for the visit, Chase. Go Gators. Thank you. Go Gators. 
Well, that home opener is now just days away. I mean, you walk around the swamp right now, you can hear blowers in the stands and chairbacks being put out. And of course, I got to thinking about the most central thing in all this, the field, Florida field, Steve Spurrier, all that. And of course, there's paint. And now I just, I got to thinking to myself, what does it take to get this field ready for game day, especially a home opener? So I knew who to go to, Jason Smith, director of sports turf. I got to ask you, now, not all the paint's down yet, right. but how long does that process take? Uh, you know, every, every paint uh, week is always different, especially with the weather and stuff. Uh, but I'd say on average, you're looking at probably about 90 to 100 man hours. 90 to 100 man hours, which leads me then to the question, how many gallons of paint go down on this particular field? Yeah, I knew you were going to ask that one. Uh, it's, it's a good estimate is 300, ga uh, 300, yeah, 300 gallons. Um, I think that's like 130 gallons of uh, orange now that we're doing the uh, filling in the end zones, predominantly orange now these days. Uh, but that's, that's our big one, 130 gallons of that one. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's always averaging right there at 300 gallons. Jason, how long does a good paint job last? That's the bad part about it. Uh, you know, we really don't want to be doing any painting any earlier than Wednesday. So really Thursday, Fridays for a Saturday game is our, our big paint days. Now, we'll go in a little earlier to get some base coats down. But uh, to have that nice crisp pop, you know, you're looking two days max. And, and, and a lot of that, too, is... Uh, Yes, if we mow it, it will clip it off the, the tip, but even if we don't mow it, just the grass growing itself, you'll start getting some green from underneath, if that makes sense. So it kind of grows out of it, and you're seeing the green from underneath. Uh, so. so every home game gets a new coat of paint? Every single. And even with that, um, orange and white, you know, they just don't, um, they, they need those, those extra coats. So we're doing two coats of those every, every home game. Um, the blue it's it's hides a lot better so it's it really tints the grass blades and it holds in a lot better um and it you know the heat that it brings in too it's a little bit tougher on the grass so we we hold it to one one coat and so that's usually on fridays uh we'll change it up every now and then go thursday depending on how the grass is going we might do the blue on thursday but more likely we'll wait till fridays and it, that one just gets a uh, one coat on it you said tougher, tougher on the grass. So forgive the dumb questions here, Jason. But yep. does it kill the grass? Does the paint destroy the turf itself? Well, it doesn't kill it, and it doesn't destroy it. But it definitely isn't, you know, a beneficial thing for the grass. Let's just say that. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it, it's not. It's not good for it, but it's not killing it. If that makes sense. I, there's this rumor going around that there's a robot now that helps you guys pull this off. Is there any truth to this rumor? That is true. Uh, in fact, we sent the robot off last uh, Friday uh, just to get basically the lines and the sidelines, the, just the, the overall grid of the field. We got that uh, down Friday just so that when we came in this morning, uh, we started laying out logos. Um, that way everything's already set. There's no measuring. And that's the beauty of the robot is uh, before um, I would just have four uh, corner uh, stakes in all four corners. I had I had a, a, a stake, a, a marker, if you will, and off of those four corners, I would measure everything. And so that would take me a, a solid day of just measuring, you know, not only where the you know the yard lines go and all like that, but then measuring where the numbers go in the hashes and the where the logos go on everything. So it was a, a good portion of a day of having to measure. Now 
you know, we just send the robot out that's off a of GPS and it puts it in the same spot every time. So that, that's really nice and inconvenient to have and uh, frees me up from having to sit there and look at a tape measure all day long. I can't even imagine. Now, look, I've seen it where on artificial turf you can take a pressure washer and spray the thing clean and start over. What if you make a mistake on real grass? Well, the key is is get water on it immediately you know the, the faster that we can keep or, the, or if we can keep that pet, uh, paint wet uh, the easier it is to clean up so um, obviously as long as we catch it as soon as it happens with our with our field paint uh, and then just more and more water will just flush it but once it dries and sets in then it's a different story uh, then it's more trying to cut the grass down lower like trying to scalp it out maybe a little bit of green paint to try to cover things back up but usually I mean we're there's, there's a lot of eyes out there, so it's not like a, a, a big spill goes unseen. You know, we're, we're right on top of it. You know, I'll have water hoses throughout the, you know, on the corners of the field to where you can run and get, or we'll always have a bucket of water handy. Like I said, I always teach my guys just, if you make a mistake, get it wet. Like, just don't sit there and look at it and just get, start getting water on it. So, yeah, no crying over spilt field paint at this point. Exactly. Uh, I'm sure the robot has helped uh, your shoe game a little bit. Maybe less pairs of shoes get ruined every year now that there's a robot assisting? Uh, no, I mean, I swear, there's still so much painting that goes on, you know, not just here at Florida Field, but, you know, right now we left here and went and uh, got practice football fields taken care of and moving on to lacrosse and soccer. And you know, like I said, this that's a weekly thing of repainting all these things. So the robot helps out, but uh, we still go through a, a pair of shoes here and there for sure. Do you remember your first field that you painted? If you do, what was it? Uh, that would probably be back in my Mississippi State days. I'm, I'm a graduate there, worked on uh, worked on those fields as a student, and then became the assistant later on. But, yeah, I would have to say uh, probably a practice football field at, at Mississippi State, probably one of my first fields to paint. Okay. That's a big-time turf management program <laughs> over there. Um, I'll, I'll let you go here in a second. got to ask, surely there's been a request or two over the years for some dude that wants the stencil and wants to paint a Gatorhead logo or the, the Power F or something in his, in his own yard. Have you ever obliged to that kind of a request? Uh, no, usually try to stay away from that. Uh, luckily, I can always use the excuse, man, we're just so busy right now, which is the truth because it's always football season. Everybody gets hyped up and, and wanting that in their, in their yard and stuff. So uh, we got a pretty good excuse with uh, all the hours that we got to have for, uh, for our field ourselves. So we, we've been able to dodge that one so far. And on this note, we'll end in this positive way. What's what's something that you would love for fans to know about what you and your staff put into this field? I have a feeling that's kind of like your baby in some ways. It is, and you know, it's just it's not just football season. It's it's a year long taken care of. You know, it, it's it's uh, other events that go on here. You know, I don't think most fans realize just you know we had uh, a practice and two scrimmages within a 13 day period. You know. Uh, here, here in this past month so you know it's constantly being used uh, but uh, but yeah it's something we definitely take pride in and uh, uh, it's a lot of hard work but it's a lot of eyes on it it's a lot of uh, you know gratitude or, or you know it it's definitely makes you when you get finished with it you, you sit, sit back and look at your finished product and you know you, you definitely you know it's a great feeling. Yeah. Oh, one more thing what kind of grass is on a Jason Smith signature field here. So here at the Swamp, we currently have 419. Uh, it's a hybrid Bermuda grass. All of our fields are the base is hybrid uh, Bermuda grass. 
Uh, midway through the season, usually during that Georgia break, we'll overseed it with some ryegrass. Um, just so going throughout our, you know, Florida State and stuff, we got, you know, an actively growing turf instead of a Bermuda grass that's going uh, into dormancy. But that's all of our fields. They're all hybrid Bermuda grass based, and then we'll overseed them, you know, around that Thanksgiving time uh, or a little bit earlier uh, with, with some perennial rye for, for color throughout the winter. I'm glad I asked. And uh, I'm appreciative of your time during probably one of your busiest weeks of the year. So, Jason, congratulations. We're about to all get a good look. There'll be 90,000 people here this weekend to see your handiwork. Well, thank you, and I appreciate you uh, thinking, thinking about what we actually do. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's a lot of hard work, and people just don't really even think about it. But uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, I, was, I was excited to uh, do this with you. Let's just start with Nice Scooter. Um, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but the University of Florida has the largest scooter per capita population in the world. Did you know that? I didn't know that, but it makes sense. Your name, sir? My name is Miles Bradford. Miles, where are you from? From Orlando, Florida. Oh, very cool. Where are you off to this morning? Uh, right now, I'm headed off to my uh, business speaking, uh, public speaking class. Nice, nice. Uh, so Miles and I are standing right outside of the swamp where the Gators will open the home schedule on Saturday night. Uh, Miles, do you have a game day tradition that you would mind sharing with us? A game day tradition? Well, I would say that I always, um, oh, I always, I get up, I get up uh, before sunrise every morning and- Every I, morning or just game day morning? No, 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 just game day mornings. No, 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 I can't do that well. But um, no, I get up early and I always have to watch a Gators hype, Gators hype video. And you know, it's always, it always gets me fired up for the game. Do you have a favorite game that you've witnessed here in person? Favorite game that I've witnessed here? I've actually only been to a few games here, but I mean, the favorite one has to be the Utah opener last year with the game-winning interception on the goal line. That was fantastic. Loudest I've heard the swamp myself. Okay. Uh, I see based on your t-shirt here, your Sigma Alpha Epsilon. Um, surely there's some kind of an event Saturday with the SAEs, right? Most definitely, there will be a, a tailgate going down at the Sigma Alpha Epsilon House. Is there a signature um, beverage or food that happens at the SA, SAE tailgate every year? Um, Natty Light. Natty Light, I love it. Nice to meet you, Miles, go Gators. Nice to meet you, go Gators. Certainly there's a lot of people in Florida still hurting from Hurricane Idalia from last week, but it certainly was an interesting way to start the football season. And with that, Josh Thompson, Director of Football Operations, is going to be on Gator Tales this week. The native of Fort Worth, Texas, had his hands full uh, starting basically last Sunday and rolling forward from there because of the hurricane. Oh, and by the way, the Gators would play two time zones away on a Thursday. Complicated enough? Yes. Josh, I don't know how you did it, but you pulled it off, and, and we got the Florida Gators football team to the dance on time, if you will. Can, can you take me back to the start of last week and, and what was going through your mind as those weather reports started rolling in? Uh, sure thing. Uh, I, I, I do want to start off by saying none, none of this is possible without our administration. Um, so fearless leadership from Scott Strickland. Um, Chip Howard as being our um, administrator for football, and then um, the help of Lindsey Thomas um, 
Mike Spiegler, Will Krause, and then I have to give a shout out to Casey Walker who jumped in um, knowing with all the logistical issues we're going to have, um, literally jumped in the uh, Monday evening to help us out uh, to get the team and the guests from point A to point B. But uh, to backtrack a little bit further than Sunday, about a week and a half ago, I saw a weather report that something was going on um, just north of uh, just north of the tropics. And I'm like, uh, okay, let me send this out to a few people. So sent it to Coach, sent it to Chip, sent it to a few people. And I was like, hopefully it's, it's, it's a lot of nothing. Well, it was not a lot of nothing. And we, yes, found that out on Sunday, but um, it became more grave come Monday morning. So um, me and Mike Spiegler um, have a conversation. He sets a call with Delta for 2.30. Coach and I have a conversation, and um, we start talking about options with uh, both Scott Strickland and um, Chip Howard. And um, we go into that staff meeting at 10.30, and coach is communicating to the staff that we may have to pivot, and here are our three options. Well, the third option was potentially going to Dallas. That was plan C. So being down the list, like, eh, more than likely, this is not going to be what the plan is, which sounds great for an ops guy, right? <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, here's, here's plan A, B, and C. Well, we got out of that meeting. Um, um, uh, we had the call with Delta at 2.30, talked a few things um, out with them, what was possible. They got back to us around um, 4 o'clock Eastern time saying, hey, the Dallas plan is a go. Let's do it. So, um, and we had a flight at 3.35 uh, the, next, <laughs> the next day. So I had 24, a little less than 24 hours uh, to make sure we had hotel and looked at a few options, and Lindsey Thomas um, helped a ton with uh, securing that, made sure um, we had food at the hotel for the players and guests, and then um, making sure we had a flight to get there and buses and so on and so forth in a very tight time span. Um, I do not envy anyone who has to do this with a family of four or five, but uh, it's definitely very entertaining when it's a traveling party of 196. So, uh, yeah, I understand what you're going through. 196. Okay, so the original plan was Gators play on Thursday, fly to Salt Lake City on Wednesday, and kind of hit the, the usual button, if you will, with regard to logistically how this pulls off. You just answered one of my next questions. So it's 196 people. We haven't even talked about an equipment truck yet. And the fact that if you even wanted to go to Salt Lake City on Tuesday, couldn't handle the hotel situation. Exactly. So, so Dallas comes into play. Yeah. So, again, logistically, I mean, who, who, the meeting is done. You've already talked to the flight. What's the next? Who, who do you call next? Who does that and how does that get done for a party of 196? Well, I would say the first thing is, um, you know, setting the plan of uh, the plan into action and um scott uh made the decision that hey Dallas, strickland yeah scott strickland it is yes made a decision that hey we're going to um go with this this um idea to go to dallas and um we just started to execute so myself lindsey Mike, uh, Chip, and Will all got on a FaceTime call together and started talking this thing out, which wasn't the first time we have done that. We had did that in the span of um, 48 hours, and um, we start a 
a plan of action and um, just to get the uh, hotel first because that was the most important thing. Someone who could not only house us, but also feed us and have a menu to actually feed us. And we had to go with a chef's menu, which is not ideal um, when you're um, preparing for a game. But uh, the Westin and um, the DFW Airport did a phenomenal job, um, did, did a great job taking care of our um, entire travel party. And um, the guys were taken care of in, in a five-star star manner. Um, so really it was, hey, let's take care of first things first, somewhere to sleep. <laughs> uh, second thing, somewhere to get there uh, since we got that figured out. And then um, third thing, uh, who's all going, who's not going. And um, we actually had some changes on our actual flight itinerary because we have MTV, that's managers, trainers, and video students who are going to take commercial flights out. Well, hey, they got to get on a plane with us now because we need them at the practice site. And that was the next part as well, is um, figuring out where in the heck we're gonna practice. Um, so um, made a few calls to a few high schools, um, got some yeses from them. Um, but when I'm thinking about what exactly do we need um, for, for our Friday practice, uh, what exactly do we need? And I'm saying Friday, even though it's a, a, uh, a um, Wednesday, because in our minds, we always play on Saturday. So what do we need for Friday practice? Well, coach wants it indoor. He wants it really cold in there. And we also need to make sure they have a, a locker room that can house both our staff and our student athletes um, to be able to change and shower post-practice. And um, I'm from the Dallas Fourth area. I have a lot of connections there. Um, I, I remembered a recruiting director that I worked with um, over a decade ago at Texas A&M. Um, he's now the director of recruiting and personnel at the University of North Texas. Gave him a call. He talked to his head coach. We got a green light, and um, they did a phenomenal job housing us for the um, two and a half hours that we were there to practice, change, and then head to the airport to head to Salt Lake City. Unbelievable trip. It, I, I know he probably said this to you, but I'll never forget we get to the stadium, Rice-Eccles, I'm walking out on the field. Coach Napier walks up to me. You know, how you doing? I said, I'm great. I said, look at this place. It's kind of unique. And then all of a sudden he goes, you know, even without a hurricane, I'm not so sure I would have done this any differently. And that is breaking up the trip, making a stop along the way. So who knows what will happen? Who knows? Josh, you may get a phone call with all this conference realignment stuff. There may be teams now in the Big Ten and the ACC that have now this coast-to-coast -coast travel, you may be getting a call from them about, hey, tell me about when you guys broke that trip up. We might have to do the same thing going out west. Would, could you see that happening? Uh, I can most definitely see that happening, especially with the um, expansion of the ACC taking on Stanford, and there's talks about you know, doing some games in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, um, conference games, just doing neutral sites and et cetera. But um, the cross-trip travel, uh, it is a task. We uh, were talking about it. It was almost like a mini bowl game. I started the season off with a bowl game um, because it was four days of travel um, for um, our opening game, which is uh, not ideal um, and not something that happens every day. But as I stated throughout the entire thing, and I appreciate the staff that I work with, um, 
that's inside the building as well that have nothing to do with operations. Um, from our director of player personnel, Jacob LaFrance, um, to um, the assistant to the head coach, um, Kyle Cass, um, knocking on my door and just checking on me. Like, hey, I know I can't help you, but just wanted to check on you, make sure you're good. And um, my response to them and a few of the other coaches in the building was, this is just a great opportunity to flex. That's awesome. Let's end with this. Let's say it's a normal road trip for Gators football. Give me an idea here. Uh, let's do numbers here. Number in the, in the travel party would normally be what? Uh, numbers in the travel party would be a little less than that because if it's an SEC competition, we can only travel with 70. So we would, we would have taken um, 10 less players. Um, and then also to MTV, the managers, trainers, and video, they would not be on the plane with us. Instead, um, they would be on a um, bus that would leave out a day and a half prior to the team. Um, and we only do that when that's in close proximity. So if we're going to Texas A&M or Kentucky or Missouri, they'll be on the plane with us. But outside of that, typically they will travel up on their own um, with um, some full-time staff members from the equipment staff. Um, so on that plane, we would typically have about 176 or so people instead of a full plane of 196, which um, sparks a whole nother thing when it comes to weight in the plane because we have some – Larger than normal human beings on it. So um, another thing that uh, typically you may be thinking about sometimes when we're sitting on the runway, like, why are we still sitting here as we just, you know, we're trying to burn off some fuel so we can actually take off. <laughs> That's insane. Um, how many hotel rooms on a typical trip? Um, 161. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you have an idea of, like, do, are meals ordered in individual meals, or what's that order look like just to feed on a, on a regular trip? Well, thank God I don't work in um, basketball because I, I talked to the, the director of, of um, ops for um, both our men's and women's team. Um, I talked to Serena um, all the time, and Serena Lamar, that is, and uh, they individually order, you know, for their players, but it's 15. Um, thank God I don't have to do that, even though it's, <laughs> even though it's traveling with 70 or 80 or a bowl game, all 120. Um, but uh, everything is buffet style. Um, we have different protein options. We we'll always have a, a steak, a, a beef option, a um, fish option, and then a um, vegan or vegetarian option as well. But the kids are simple. They love pasta. Um, they love um, wings. So we won't give them wings the night before. Uh, I mean, the day of the game. That's not the pregame meal. But the night before for a snack, we'll do some baked wings. Um, and they get to use different sauces. They get excited about that. But Kelsey Gomes and her staff, um, that's comprised of um, Rachel Adamkowski and Riley Collins, um, they do a great job putting the menu together. And um, once again, when you work with great people, it makes your life a lot easier. Um, and we can just put our minds together and make sure that we're taking care of the entire travel party. Because the other thing, too, is you got to feed coaches. And the one thing about coaches, they're former players. Okay, so that's one thing. That's one thing to keep in mind. Oh my gosh, what an operation! Oh, and by the way, there was an eighteen-wheeler which goes everywhere the Gators go, that went from Gainesville all the way to Salt Lake City, and back. What an operation! I think you're probably glad that week one is done, and that a home stand is here. Yes, um, typically uh, you start off at home, and I was looking at this leading up to this um, first trip. And I'm trying to recall in my 16-year um, career, have we ever started on the road? And I had never started on the road. Yeah, wow. 
And so my first time starting on the road, had a little hurricane come through and um, had to uh, create another plan um, with the help of others, of course, um, in about 22 hours. But once again, it was a great opportunity and um, I would do it again. Um, hopefully it doesn't happen again. Um, knock on wood. But um, it was a great opportunity and um, something that I really relished in. Um, it was a great, great moment to be a part of. Nice work. Thanks for the visit. Right, thank you so much for your time. All right, so that's a wrap on episode number two here of the Gator Tales podcast with Sean Kelly. Appreciate, of course, the uh, fine folks at UF Health and Pet Paradise, too. And big thanks to our guests today, Khalil Jackson, Jason Smith, and uh, Josh Thompson. And, of course, uh, the chef and the student, everybody else who kind of popped in for us on this particular episode. Everybody have fun doing your tailgating this weekend. Stay safe, and we'll look for a really successful start to the home schedule, of course, as the Gators get set to take on McNeese on Saturday night. We'll check out the new lights and all the other fine things about a home game here at the Swamp. Hope you'll join us for the broadcast, too. Tate Casey and Shane Matthews back with me on the Gators Sports Network from Learfield. I'm Sean Kelly, and until next time, whether we see each other in person or perhaps we meet again over the air or via this podcast, take care and go Gators. <laughs>